How many of you have resolved to get more movement in your life? If not for weight loss, but for all the other benefits, mental health, focus, energy, productivity, or just generalized well-being. As I've often said, I wish exercise and weight loss would just get a divorce because the benefits of moving your body are so much more profound than the numbers on the scale. But if you've been out of the game for a bit, you may feel intimidated or just don't know where to start. Well, I'm having a guest today who is going to share not only how to get started, but for those of you who are in it, how to level up your fitness routine. Meet Dylan Conrad. He's owner of DC Fitness, a premier online coaching and accountability practice offering group and one-on-one online fitness and coaching. He's been at this gig for nearly 20 years and has tremendous experience and expertise. As we'll discuss, he was even my trainer back in the day. This is going to be a super informative episode, so let's dig in. So welcome, Dylan. I'm so excited to have you here. We have a personal and professional history and I can't help but recall the 5 a.m. workouts we used to do together back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I can I can remember those very vividly. Thank you so much for having me on. And it, yeah, we go back, I think, what, 10, what are we, 2023? 20, so maybe five, seven years, 5 a.m. workouts, good yeah, times. It really was a long <laughs> while. Well, you are, you definitely have a lot of knowledge, experience, and expertise. So I'm super glad to have you on the podcast to share all of that. But first, tell us a little bit about what got you here. I know you have a a personal story around it. Yeah. So what got me here all the way to this podcast? Yeah. Again, thanks so much for having me on. I'm like, I'm really honored to be on here. I've I've been following you forever. And, uh, you know, it's it's really cool that, you know, someone so science-based and so such a leader in the field would have me on. So thank you. But yeah, so for me, you know, I started... I've been coaching for about 16 years now, I think. I started in college, but this kind of goes back before college. You know, I was really into athletics. I was a little overweight and I realized like I can put in work and actually transform my mind and and my body. And I thought it was really cool. And, um, you know, I was a subpar athlete, but then I started training in the off season and like became better. So that was really my first introduction. Like, okay, this is, I can change some stuff. I have control over this. This is cool. And then, so fast forward college, I was studying kinesiology. I was going to do pre-physical therapy. I had started actually a personal training job at school, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, go Mustangs, full plug. Yeah. So I was, I was training there. I loved it. You know, I, I moved back home to the Valley, Los Angeles area from over here. And uh, I started working at the Equinox over here. And, um, you know, I never really thought I was just like, oh, I'm just going to take a year off and go to physical therapy school. And then I just fell deeper and deeper and loved it, realized I could really make a profession out of it. And, um, you know, I'm just really passionate. I'm sure as you are just about helping people, like, it's just the most fun. It just kind of gets me up in the morning and yeah. And so, yeah, so I opened a gym, did personal training, opened my own gym in Los in Brentwood. That's where our 5 a.m. torture sessions took place. And then I closed the gym down during the pandemic and I just re- com- operate completely online now. So that's kind of how we, we got here. I like that you mentioned that you had this, that you were kind of overweight. And so that's, yeah. that's often an intention to get physically active. And I remember personally growing up, that was the only reason that I exercised regularly was because of my concerns about my body. 
but you also mentioned the mind. And I think that's what we really find where the transformation occurs is that exercise, while we really think of it always in terms of weight loss, it does so much for our mental, emotional well-being. And that becomes like the backdoor to weight loss or soothing with anything, you know, with any, your substance of choice. It's, it's the mind piece that we really need to hone in on because that's where, that's where the transformation happens. Yeah. And just to kind of add to that too, like I was thinking about this, you know, I I wouldn't, you know, I've, I consider myself somewhat successful in what I do, you know, I I have about 13 employees and we have about uh, 170 clients right now. But, you know, I, th- I think I, I wouldn't be good at what I do in terms of profession if I never got into fitness and nutrition, because that really just taught me like the life skills and like that mindset of like preparing and having systems and structure in place. And, uh, you know, that really it, uh, created the ability for me to kind of like, I guess, scale that in a sense, because now it's kind of like systematized in me and kind of second nature. But yeah, I agree with you to bring it all back. Yeah, it takes, it's all mindset, 100%. So much more that what we gain is so much more than the numbers on the scale. Yeah. So it it is the new year. And of course, uh, a lot of intention setting around exercise and getting physically active and bringing movement into our lives. But a lot of people have not done it for a long while. And there is this kind of intimidation around getting started. So I would love if you could offer some insight into how do we get started if we've been, you know, out of the game for some time? And how do we address that feeling of fear and intimidation that often comes along with that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear and intimidation of either like, oh, I'm I'm starting this and I haven't done it for a while, or I've done this so many times in the past and like given up so many times that there's like a why would I even start this in the first place and I think um first and foremost just know that it's like it's normal to feel that way it's normal to feel intimidated it's normal to feel like I just don't want to do this and I think you know the reason that we kind of um make all these attempts and and fall off there's a lot of reasons but um I think the biggest one is what we're doing isn't really sustainable we're kind of like you know I think as um Americans we really just want everything we want now. So we want to do everything at once. And instead of diving in fully, what I always coach my clients on is we just start with like one really small habit. And when you look at like the science of habit formation, all the research is pointing towards if we focus on just one variable at a time, we'll have like a 70% or higher success rate. And we're focused on two or three things, two or three changes, we're going to have like a 5% success rate or less, right? And so it's really just like, I encourage everyone listening to this to really think, and I know how hard this is, so I get it, but think like really long-term, you know, what are the habits of someone who's where you want to be in terms of like your nutrition and your exercise and your lifestyle, like time to go to sleep and kind of just reverse engineer and start with something like so small. And that first habit you set up, you really just want to think of something that's so small, it's almost laughable. Like if someone's like, yeah, 64 ounces of water, you're like, that's it? Like, that's the kind of reaction you want to how easy that first habit's gonna be. And it doesn't even have to be exercise at first. Like, well, on one of my clients, like we wanna get the systems in place, right? We wanna get, make sure they, you know, are getting enough sleep first. We wanna make sure they're taking the right supplements. We wanna make sure there's all these like little easy wins we can get before we even hop into exercise, you know? And so kind of just like this one habit at a time approach really kind of extends things and it makes it more organic and feels a lot less like, 
rushed and, and you really this way you focus a lot more on the process because I've realized when myself and my clients focus on the end result we always fail but when we're focused on like the actual process of just getting these habits down these daily wins getting these systems together a lot higher success rate and just a lot more a lot less like anxiety over it and a lot less like bs you know It's like, it's not sexy, but it's so practical and true. I feel like there's, even in me, when I hear this, there's a slight aversion because I want big, you know, I want big gains. But I think it's important to your point to look at what would happen in a year if we didn't start small. What happened last year? What happened the year before? Because these intentions are not new. Oftentimes we've made this intention year and year again. And the reality is that had we really gone small a year ago, two years ago, we would have been where we're at. And this is not about being upset or not forgiving of not having started, but then taking that with a beginner's mindset and recognizing, okay, in this moment, if we can really just discipline ourselves around that unsexy proposition, right? Yeah. Yeah. Start small that a year from now, you really will see the massive impact that you're looking for. And I also want to reiterate something else that you said, which is be afraid and do it anyway. I mean, that's something that I use in so many of my professional ventures Um, it's scary to do something new, but you can acknowledge that, know that it's to your point, normal, common, you know, human experience. And yet you can do it anyway. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's just like, you know, I think with, uh, there's so many, um, parallels and like how we do fitness and how we do nutrition to actual life. And, you know, if, if you're someone who really wants to get more out of life, this can be kind of that like vehicle for you you know, really getting good and, and trying these things, you know, if, if going to the gym scares you or if going to like a group fitness scares you or, you know, just the whole process just is like really intimidating. If you can have, a, if you can accomplish that, like imagine how empowered you're going to feel. Imagine how that accomplishment was going to make you feel and and that confidence into other areas of your life, professionally, relationship-wise, whatever it is. Right. So that's why I, it's funny because like I always felt like I, this is kind of a Trojan horse, like fitness and nutrition for just getting more out of life because, if you can, if you can kind of master this area, you can really do anything. Like you can get so structured and realize like, cause this stuff, yeah, it can be hard, but once you achieve that and you get to the next level, it's like, oh, okay. I just did that. Like I'm definitely capable of more. It's a, it's like many things. It's like that throwing the stone in the pond and the ripple effect. I love that ripple. So, okay. Let's say we, so we buy into the small changes and we get started, but then there's that drop off right? Yeah. So January, we're all jazzed. I find that February is the new January. <laughs> <laughs> right? Kind of this, like there's a little bit of a lag these days, you know, we need to kind of get our mind into place. But yeah. invariably, somewhere along the way, motivation wanes, and there's a drop off. And so um, what are you what is your guidance? And what are your tips on how to maintain motivation? And also, if you could speak to, I find that people people want that feeling of excitement all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, it just doesn't happen, right? It doesn't yeah. happen in our workout. It doesn't happen in our relationships, right? Yeah. There's, there's a time where things just become like humdrum. Yeah. 
what do we do in that moment when that motivation wanes and the inertia sets in? Know that, first of all, that's a really good thing. Like when that motivation ends, because what that motivation does a lot of times, a lot of times, yeah, it gets us started, but it kind of gets us what I call like being too cute. Like we try to do way too much at once. You know, <laughs> we were talking about, you were talking about boredom. It's supposed to be boring. Like it's good. If it's boring, that means that we get to focus on the habits instead of the motivation. Because motivation isn't linear. Like it's up, it's down, it's sideways. And right now you might, might you might have the intention of starting, but you have like zero motivation. That's fine too. That's actually really good because now we get to look back and say, okay, what are these habits that we're trying to, you know, what are we trying to achieve here? And then we can just systematize it. You know, I brought up the example of water earlier today, but like, okay, 64 ounces. Okay, let me go on Amazon right now and get a 64 ounce bottle of water. And just every single night, I'm going to sit and warm my phone and say, I'm going to refill that water bottle every single night. You know, and then you're just making it so it's, it's not even Did it, by the way, I bought like the my 115th water bottle. Let's go. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 115 <laughs> gallon. I'm like, you're drinking like a whole gallon. I've got of a lot of water bottles. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, just kind of like that, it's such a good, you know, that's when I get most excited to work with people when that motivation wanes off, because then we get to really just go hard on the habits and just go on the hard on like the unsexy stuff and just like looking at all the data weekly, looking at all the habits weekly, stacking wins, stacking new habits. I I think habit stacking, like once you get that first habit, I'd kind of go through that sooner. But uh, once you get that first habit down, week, two weeks, stack another one on top then stack another and keep going until it is this sexy beast. And you do keep trying new things out and you're taking cold plunges. And it's like this whole interesting thing, you know, that you're really looking at your body a lot differently. Yeah. I think that, I think that's just looking back on it. Yeah. It's also a matter of, um, I think motivation often comes on the back end, right? Like we, we want motivation to get us in the game, but the reality is that sometimes, you know, Lacing up our our sneakers is a matter of just faith. <laughs> it's yeah. an act of faith, right? Yeah. Knowing that on the other end, when you do start to feel those benefits, that that is the source of motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the, and, and yeah, motivation comes in waves. It comes in all shapes and sizes. Like you might've like PR in a workout or done something really cool that you're like, wow, I really, and that's motivating for you. And that kind of lifts you up. And it could be just like you did a, you know, a, a spin class and, or you did an orange theory class. And I don't know if you're still doing orange theory, but you do orange theory class and you just get like the endorphins after and you feel really, really good. And that's motivating. So motivation can also just, doesn't have to be like week to week. It can also be day to day, hour to hour, you know, motivation kind of going throughout the day. Yeah. And I like that. I, I like the way you state that it comes in waves mm-hmm. because it allows us to tolerate the humdrum knowing that, you know, this, this will pass and there will be another wave that will feel mm-hmm. a little differently. So another thing that I come across often in the, in my medical practice, patients will come in and usually if they come in to see a quote weight loss doctor, it's because they've done it all right. And one of the things that they've often done is they'll come in and say, you know, I, I got a personal trainer. I've been working with him or her two days a week. I didn't lose an ounce. And so I canned it, you know, I quit, I quit. And that becomes one of the failures. Can you talk a little bit about your views on exercise and weight loss, what is a realistic expectation in that regard? Yeah, speak to that yeah. a little bit. Yeah, 
I think, you know, it, it really all depends. Um, a lot of times, like, especially if you haven't exercised for a while, or if you, you know, you're a personal trainer or wh whatever you're doing, you have a lot of weights involved, you're going to hold a lot of glycogen. Like, and then typically that's like about six weeks and the scale doesn't move because you're holding more, you know, carbohydrates in your body. But so that's like a normal thing. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of look back on, well, I'm going to I'll tell you this. It's like you, I'm not sure if you say this on your podcast, but I tell my clients this all the time. Like it's 80% nutrition. It's 80% nutrition. So probably the scale didn't move because, you know, you got your nutrition dialed in. That's why they're seeing you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my thoughts. And I'm very transparent with all my clients that come in through. I'm like, you know, it's 80% nutrition, 20% training and hundred percent mindset. And so, you know, if you didn't like working with your personal trainer, don't work with them. hundred percent. It finds something that's, you know, sustainable. And what is sustainability? Sustainability is something that's realistic and it's something that's enjoyable. Right. And so that can even be walking. It can be, even be, you know, going to a workout class that could be playing a sport. It's really about finding like what you actually enjoy and then working with someone like Adrian on the nutrition part, that's actually going to move the needle and, and kind of get those results. But it does, it, you know, it really does depend on a lot of factors in terms of if you were working with someone like Adrian or nutritionist or weight loss doctor, and you were exercising at the same time, then it's like, okay, this is kind of like normal. Let's start looking at other markers. Let's start looking at your body composition. Like, um, you guys still use the in, in body there? Yes, we do. Yeah. Great, great scan. Get an in body scan and look at these other measurements, progress pictures weekly that you really can kind of track your progress, but also really fall in love with the actual process. Cause the minute that you fall, you, you start focusing on these results this is the minute that you fail because you're just going to get obsessed with it and it's not going to be fun. And it's just, you're doing something for an end result, right. Instead of doing something, you know, to focus on this process of like really enjoying it, getting better mentally, like, you know, finding that discipline muscle, getting that mental workout, so to speak. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of using, different parameters of success, you know, like we really are so hyper-focused yeah. on the numbers and I don't want to dismiss that because yeah. it's important, but what's, what is happening to your body composition? What is happening to uh, your physique? What is happening to the other physiologic parameters? So we see blood pressure come down really yeah. quickly when people start exercising or, blood sugar comes down even before people start losing weight. So having a broader sense, right, of, of what the outcome is. Yeah. And then I also want to address this, like the nutrition and the, the exercise, because it is true that it is, I would say, even 90% nutrition yeah. in terms of like the weight loss piece, mm -hmm. right? But that doesn't mean, I think when people hear that, then the response is, then why should I exercise? If it's 90% nutrition, why should I exercise? And there's so many reasons, right? Like preserving body composition, maintaining your metabolism, preventing weight regain. Those are all important, right? It's also, I think, important to acknowledge what we do in our minds when we start exercising. We start to like, do you find that your, your um, clients will talk about like trading, you know, like because I exercise, then I deserve this or I exercise. And so they justify maybe high calorie shakes or mm -hmm. high calorie. It's a matter of like not using that as an excuse for working off a heavy meal or as an excuse for having a heavy meal. It's really 
using these things as separate containers, mm-hmm. as separate tools that can work together. And I, before I let you speak on that, I'll just say that there was this article that was published in the JAMA a couple of years ago, the Journal of American Medical Association, that showed that trackers were actually causing people to gain weight, that mm-hmm. they were that we shouldn't be using these track calorie trackers or or actually exercise trackers. Mm. And one of the reasons why was because people would look at the tracker that often uh, inflates the calorie burnage, right? Yeah. Like you look at your tracker and you're like, oh my God, I lost 3000 calories, which is super hyperinflated, yeah. but then would use that information to justify unhealthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it, it's, it is, it does come back to mindset. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Different yeah. factors in mind. It's all yeah. It's all human behavior. Like at the end of the day, like so. I, that's why I love this. You know what I do. I'm sure you love what you do. It's because like human behavior will break any system that you put in place. And so it's so fun to just figure out. Okay, how can we just like reorganize this and humanize it so this person can actually have success on it? Was, was did you did you want me to speak on something? By the way. Well, I I mean. Are you asking me to recall what I asked you? That's like a <laughs> big ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not everything. Yeah, I guess maybe you could just break down. Yeah, yeah but, but, well, we were, I was just talking about this whole con- concept of like, well, maybe you can speak to this whole concept of like, I deserve it. Tat, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, because I burned, then I do this. And can you also speak to the calorie burnage? Because that's something that I feel like people oh my are, goodness. they see these numbers on the tracker. Yeah. And it feels like the Bible. Shut shut your trackers off. <laughs> like the first thing I tell people, if they're going to use my fitness pal, like you got to take the exercise thing off because it's just going to like, they're, they're so inaccurate. Whether that's on like hyperinflated, yeah. hyperinflated, like strength training doesn't burn that many calories. Cardio burns more calories, but it's still not that many. Hey, it's like the same, the, the epoch excess post-oxygen consumption that everyone was like, this is when hit was really big. I think like 2010 ish, they were saying, Oh, because you can't get all the auction during your workout the rest of the day, you have all this excess oxygen to make up and that's going to boost your metabolism. It's not that much. And, and actually even the muscle versus fat thing, like muscle is more metabolically active, but not that much. It's like barely, you know, so all these factors and, and these trackers, like we kind of have to ignore because first of all, they're, they're just, they're hyperinflated. And they're just, they're kind of like putting us in that mindset, like you were talking about, okay, because I did burn more, I'm going to eat more that, you know, I'm going to do this because I did this. You got to understand, like, you're not punishing yourself for exercising. Like, it's not a punishment. Like, it's a get to, like, you get to exercise. There's so many people in this world who don't get to exercise for whatever reason. And a lot of, you know, obviously we're guessing your your listeners are in America, like you look at other countries, like they don't have the resources and then the, you know, podcasts and all this stuff that they can learn all this information to change themselves and to better themselves. And we do. So it's really like, it's, it's a get to, it's not a have to, it's not like you're punishing your body so you can reward your body with like extra food at night. You know, it's kind I know of- that people like, I know that people are going to listen to this and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to, I'm so privileged. But I'll tell you when I really find that it hits home is even in my patients who don't report loving exercise, when there's like a meniscal tear or there's, you know, a rotator cuff injury, it's like when it's taken away from us. And sadly, this is, you know, human nature. That's when we're like, wow, 
You know, yeah. that really was a gift. Yeah. And so if we could turn that light on before it's taken away, it, it's so important yeah. and so valuable. You know, you mentioned you've mentioned cardio and strength training. So that's a great segue. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Because a lot of times people are like, okay, I'm all in, but I don't know what to do. Do I do cardio? Do I do strength training? How much of each? How much is enough? What do you recommend? How do you break it down? Yeah, I always, you know, I would say like, first of all, <laughs> I look at like each person. I'm like, okay, what do you actually like to do? What do you feel like is realistic? And I kind of start from there. So someone's like, oh, I love running. It's like, okay, we'll start with running. I just want to get you small wins. I want to get you into the motiv motivation, momentum, all that stuff, right? But if I were going to, if I had like a robot and they're like, I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. Like, I don't care. I would say strength training just because uh, you want to kind of have that as your base because there are so many benefits to strength training and having the cardiovascular component kind of stacked on top of that. And now how do I want to organize that? What should my workout sessions look? First thing is just like you're talking about like a meniscal tear, like you don't want to get injured. That's like the last thing you want. So you start with every session with some foam rolling. You can look up videos on YouTube. It's very easy. You can get one on Amazon for like 10 bucks. Most gyms have them. Getting some stretching, you know, anything is better than nothing. And then from there, you can get into your strength training. If you're new, like using the machines, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with using machines. Like you're still going to get um, strength benefit, bone density benefit, like a lot of different benefits from using machines. Obviously, as you get good at machines and you kind of master it, or if you have experience working with a trainer, group fitness, all that, and you kind of know the motions, then you can do some more functional training like squats, deadlifts, pushups, all that stuff. But really, once you get good at that, then it's about stacking the, the cardio on top. And now that's going to depend. Like, you know, obviously we were talking earlier about, um, female physiology and that's going to be a different exercise and you know if you have a woman with a natural menstrual cycle there's gonna be two different parts uh, you know the follicular phase and the luteal phase that they feel completely different and they feel stronger in one and probably want to change up the workouts and someone's a perimenopause menopause postmenopause um even birth control like those are all things that are going to change but just of, of what you should be doing in terms of like your cardio, your hit and your, your, sorry, your steady state cardio, which is longer, your hit, which is shorter, more intense, and then your strength training. And kind of all of those are going to change around base of physiology that you have. But before you get into there, you kind of need to master the basics, right? Just get really, really good at each kind of prong of that. And then you can, as you get into it and you have this all second nature, then you can start exploring that. Or if you're working with a coach, someone like Adrian, well, I wonder if, you know, if we didn't want to like complicate things, right? Because there, it could get very in-depth yeah. and, and specified. But at the same time, when we complicate it, it just, it makes it less likely to be achieved. So let's say somebody is starting out at home. They don't want to go to a gym. Talk a little bit about, you know, like, what would you, how would you start with that strength training piece if you had free weights? And, and can you also talk a little bit about, lightweights versus heavy, the mm -hmm. fear of bulking up and how to, you know, prevent that from happening. Where would you recommend someone who's just walking into their garage and, you know, is starting with some free weights? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, it just depends kind of where you're starting at in terms of your, your fitness level and what you're. And let's just assume for the purposes of this, it's new year and, you know, I haven't done anything for a year and I'm just getting, you know, into the swing of things. And, but you've, you've been, you've had an experience like exercising in the past. Yeah. Maybe not, not necessarily me, but like the average person out there who 
who really has been off their game for a while. How, yeah. how about starting with strength training? Yeah, I would say one to two sets, like eight to 12. Don't go, especially in the first week or two, like don't go heavy. Don't push yourself to failure. Don't like try to feel burn. Like just get the movements, get yourself in there and get your body like rocking. Now you can kind of like gauge it based on your soreness and how, you know, much more intense you want to go. In terms of bulking up, like, yeah, you know, I'm a big dude. What I'm, I'm 5'10", 193 and like 14, 13% body fat. Like this took me a long time. This took me like 20 years. And I hear always people come like, well, I don't want to get as big as you. I'm like, well, <laughs> don't worry. You're not <laughs> like it, this took me forever. So just know, like, it's not going to be overnight. Like, yes, you might feel like you are more muscular, especially in the beginning, because you are storing more glycogen. This does go away at week six week six to week eight so that will eventually go away but you know in terms of lighter weights or heavier weights you know you can get you can build muscle on light weights and you can build muscle on heavy weights like all the research right now is based on you know how deep into like muscular failure are you going into and that's going to be what's going to build muscle so talk about people, that what does that mean muscular failure so muscular failure is like you know for example if you're doing an exercise like a hamstring crawl on a machine that's like where your muscle just will not fire anymore and you cannot go Right. And so that's kind of like the deeper you can go into there. That's where it'd be the matter of reps. It sounds like Uh, reps and weights. Yeah. Yeah. So pushing, so pushing with whatever weight you're at to the, to the point at which you can't go anymore. You can't go anymore. And that may be more important than necessarily amping up or starting out at super heavy weights. 100%. It's way better to, I always encourage people to start with like moderate weights, rep ranges, 12 to 20, like just kind of like get the motion down. If you do want to build muscle, it's way safer with lighter weights, right? And so you can go lighter and moderate. If you're advanced, then yeah, go heavy, but that's, you know, you don't ever need to lift like under probably six, six reps. You know, there's really no reason for that. I like to hear about the lighter weights because I know you know, like when I was doing group fitness, I was doing heavier weights. And mm-hmm. now I'm, you know, working out out of my garage, I have my Peloton, I, I live close to the beach, thankfully, and so I go out for a run. But like, for example, the Peloton came with three pound weights. And I was like, what am I going to do with these? <laughs> But I actually find that if I do a full minute of, you know, yeah. tricep something on three pounds, I'm like, woof. Yeah. Burns. Yeah. You don't need a whole lot of weight. Like you can definitely, like, you know, like I was saying, if you're picking your own weight and it's lighter weight and you're going to, into like muscular failure and you feel like that deep burning, you don't really need too much weight. And a lot of stuff you could just do body weight, to be honest with you. So mm-hmm. like someone who's just starting, you know, in their garage and hasn't done anything in a while it's like just start with like the things that work you know the squats push-ups you know any hinging movement like a deadlift like just kind of keep it really basic and you know like adrian was saying if you just have really light weights you can do a bunch of tricep kickbacks bicep curls and that type of thing for a minute two minutes and, and really start getting some effect on it even though you don't have like, too much weight I like that. I'm just thinking because I really, I like my cardio. It's how I get out of my head. I used to love the weight component of group fitness, but doing it on my own bores the heck out of me. And so I've, I've kind of fallen out of that practice, but I will say going frequent repetitions on lower weights makes me feel like I don't have to cycle back through it again, multiple times. Yeah. I just do an exercise and then I move on. And that helps me it helps me maintain that pace of just continuing to go forward 
Yeah. I mean, look at the end of the day, like your heart doesn't know what your body's doing, you know? So like, if you're working hard, you're working hard and your body is going to respond to it. So it's really like, yeah. And, and all the research again is on muscular failure, but like, that's only one set, you know, you really only need to do one set, especially if it's lighter weights. It's like, it's fine. You can just like, once you get it in, you can just move on to the next one. Like you're doing. Yay. Thank you for that. I'm going <laughs> well, to pat, pat myself on the back. So let's say we get started and, you know, a lot of times people will, will get in the groove of a, of a regimen or a routine. And then they're doing that thing over and over again. They're going to soul cycle, you know, three times a week over and over yeah. again, they're doing, so there's a lot of repetition, mm -hmm. but then our bodies can get efficient at doing that same thing. And then we find that we're kind of stagnant. So yes. is that a thing? Like, yeah. Hundred percent. And so, how do we switch it up? How do you recommend maintaining that sense of gains? Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of different factors, right? You can like if you're getting really stagnant in Soul Cycle. I know, like Orange Theory, for example, you get a score afterwards. So, like, if you're feeling stagnant, just like beat your score every time, right? But if you're kind of just getting like mentally over it, it's okay to to switch it up. Like, it's totally fine if you're doing Soul Cycle for four months you're over it you just can't go to another soul side class you feel like you plateaued then switch it up but if you're doing like you know weight training or in your home you can switch variables out constantly to get a new adaptation stimulus like you don't have to keep doing the same thing you can always switch it up and always go in between like okay i'm gonna be focusing on like more muscle building i'm gonna be focused on more like you know energy systems work here i'm gonna be focused on more you know strength there's a lot of different factors you can kind of cycle in and out of if you are getting bored at home or at a gym, for example, if you're doing like a class, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of glued into that class. So you can, I would say, it just depends. Like athletes even don't plateau for eight, 12 weeks. I feel like the plateau most people get to is like a mental plateau. They're just like, I can't do any more of this soul cycle. I can't do any more of X, Y, and Z. So it's like noticing that and notice, and a lot of times it does decrease your intensity, which obviously will you know, not, you won't see any results anymore. You won't see any more new gains, like Adrian was saying. So yeah, at that point, yeah, definitely switch it out. Like, don't, don't just feel like you need to stick to something, just stick to something because you signed up for it. I mean, I think a lot of times what happens is it, it's not even a matter of uh, feeling bored or like you have to stick to it, but it's more of, this is what I'm doing and it's great and they enjoy it or they're in that mm -hmm. routine but then they're not seeing six months or a year out. They're not seeing the changes physiologically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's, you know, in the beginning of your work, like whatever you're doing, you are going to see a, like a very nonlinear increase in everything. So you're going to what are called like beginner gains. And that's where you see like a very, everything, your strength levels shoot up, your cardio shoots up, like everything in the beginning, you're getting strong and endured and, you know, leaner at such a rapid rate, but that does drop off. And that is like totally normal, you know, and it's okay. Like, Hey, if you only went up like a rep next week or two and a half pounds next week on the same exact exercise, that's totally fine. You know, that's still an increase. And even if you stay the same the next week, you know, I will say like, once you feel like you, you can't go up and, and, you know, reps or anything without compensating for your form or strength, then it's like, okay, let's switch out the program and, and start taking, putting new exercises in here. It does sound like it's a matter to some degree of just managing your expectations, you know, what you're going to see. There is going to be a, a plateau or uh, a steady state before your next. Yeah. Thing. 
And it depends what your program looks like, how you set your own program up, you know? And so, for example, if you're doing a class, you're kind of just like you're at the helm of the instructor and whoever the instructor is and then mixing it up, right? And you are going to hit a plateau because you're, you're basically doing the same thing week after week. But if you're working out on your own or working at home, you know, at a gym, then you then you can break through plateaus easy because you have full control over your workout, you know, routine. So I say like create one two to four weeks at least. And I would say only two weeks just because you might get bored of it of the same routine is kind of what you should be aiming for. We have the best results with like people who are like accountants and just, you know, just kind of like the, you know, the monotony of just the boring work, right? They get it because they see this and they're like, oh, they it's just kind of like part of their normal routine now. And they can kind of just like move through it systematically and just kind of, you know, enjoy the boring. It's funny that monotony is actually so effective. I mean, even in like so the, even in the weight loss data, they've shown that like people who don't vary their diets very much. And yeah. I have like the same like type of salad that I pack that I've been packing and taking to work for the last 10 years. But they show that, you know, if you can, you know, it's, lack of variability is actually yeah. effective. 100% same thing with habit formations, right? The the less amount of variables you can have, the better. And I think most of us, I don't know, you can speak to this probably, but like, don't we just eat like the same eight to 10 meals every single week anyways? And so it's really just like figuring out, okay, which of the portions look like in those. And, and then that can be like the easiest way to break through. But yeah, I mean, the most successful people and not in just their physiques, like if you look at the top physique athletes or the top athletes, like they're, they're boring. Like it's really boring. Like they just do like a lot of boring stuff for a really long time. It's just, they outlast everyone else that gets, you know, kind of sidetracked or shiny object or this or that. Everyone wants to hop and find the latest and greatest. And it's like, well, you know, that's not really going to work. That's not what it is. And I feel like that's like with the business too. It's the same thing. It's like the boring stuff works just kind of like going in and out. I call it chopping wood, you know, just like that repetition. But yeah, I mean, it, it should feel boring. Like if if this if it feels boring for you, that is a good thing. It's like not chasing the sexy again, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Don't I think chase we, the sexy people. That don't that's like don't the, stop <laughs> chasing the sexy. It's like it's like your you know your ex boyfriend or girlfriend that like you just kept chasing and chasing and chasing. And nothing good came out of that. It's the same thing with your fitness and your nutrition. Like there is no new thing, like the basic stuff that's been here for ages, it still works and it's going to still work. Right. Yeah. It's just like, okay, it wants to be like keto or do I need to do hit or there's this new workout X, Y, and Z. And have you heard of this? It's like, yeah, I have, but you know, back to the basics, basic. yeah, back, just back keep, to the basics. keep it simple. Can you um, tell me what your thoughts are on like rest days? Like mm -hmm. what's the, what's the science behind it? Is it necessary? How much? Yeah. yeah. Cause if you look at it, like your results don't come during an exercise session, they become, they come between the exercise sessions. So if you're like, if your body is not recovering and repairing itself, your results aren't going to be good at all. So that includes like lack of sleep and, I, and recovery and rest days are so, Dependent, you know, you could have someone stress comes in all forms, workouts, a stress, you know, eating in a calorie deficit is a stressor, you know, relationships are can be a stress, uh, your work is a stress. So like, if we have all this quantitative stress kind of coming from all 
angles and it's very, very intense. Now our body is not going to re recover that well, especially if we're not sleeping on top of that. So the recovery is so important. And those rest days are so important because that's when your results happen. Right. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you're just sitting on a couch all day. You can go on a, you know, depending on what your workouts look like, if you're someone who works out and does classes and you're more active and all that stuff, you can go on like a hike, you know, like get your heart rate up that way or do a yoga class or that can be an active rest or go for a long walk. Um, but yeah, I would say like at least, a, at least one day, if, if not, you know, two, two to three would be ideal. And if you don't need those rest days, you probably need to like, look at your, your workout routine and adjust it. Cause you probably aren't just going intensely enough to where you're, you're being a stimulus and you need an adaptation. Yeah. So it sounds like more, more intensity in terms of, you know, I didn't hear not necessarily in like heaviness. And we are talking about strength right now, and this is not real, it's not exclusively strength training, but lighter weights, but more reps, more intensity, mm -hmm. burnout yeah. when you're yeah. so if you're if you're in it, if you're exercising, like don't be don't be ho hum, you know, like yeah. get yourself to a higher intensity, but then take the rest and recovery one to three days, I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Uh, and it could be one of those days could be an active recovery, like a, a yeah. hike walk exactly and the intensity can be in all forms like yeah i'm not just talking about I'm, I'm actually not talking at all about strength intensity but yeah that could be one component but it can also be like you know your rate of perceived exertion like how hard do you feel like you are pushing yourself for that exercise and for the whole workout you know it could be like your intensity on your card there's a lot of different factors that come in but what intensity kind of comes down to is the, the RPE scale, the rate of perceived exertion, which I think is actually zero to 20. So it's how hard do you feel like you're pushing yourself? 20 being like, oh my God, there's like a Freddy Krueger chasing me. It's like a 20 out of 20. And then zero Love being like, Freddy I'm, I'm, not, back in the day. I'm asleep. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, if you were born after what, like 19 or before 1982, like you get that reference. But yeah, um, yeah so I think intensity comes in all, all different forms and it doesn't be strength. A lot of times it's like, you know, more reps and more, you know, maybe less rest periods. Um, there's a lot of different variables you can include in your workouts, duration, intensity, how often you're doing it, frequency that you can manipulate to increase the intensity of your actual workouts. And we know, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking about like, I'm thinking back to like when I was in high school, you know, like I had an LA fitness, uh, or I think it was LA women uh, membership. And, you know, I was eating like those LAUSD like six inch chocolate chip cookies that came in the wax paper. It was so buttery that like the yeah, it was so good. Seep through. I mean, God, see through the wax and onto my hands. And so I would eat one of those things every day. Holy cow! It probably was like I don't know five, six, seven hundred calories. Yeah. And then I would go to LA Fitness and I would like stroll on the treadmill, and then I would wonder why it was not burning off that cookie. And so, you know, like we get these trackers and we want all of these devices to tell us how we're doing. But the truth is we know if we're like, yeah. if you're able to have the power bar while you're on the treadmill, then your exercise is probably not justifying the, the power bar. Like we just totally. need to be honest. It's not about shaming ourselves. It's just no. a matter of being honest with ourselves. Like what I are you really doing here? Like be honest. Couldn't agree more. You know, I think like we, we're just kind of going through the motions and we use all these, like, we're like, I don't know. I don't, 
you know, a lot of my clients wear a whoop or a garment or this or that to kind of measure their, like, I don't need one of those to, and most of you guys listening to this, like, you don't need that to, uh, you can't curse on here, but let someone, someone know, like, you know how bad you slept, you know, you know, whether you pushed yourself hard during that workout, like, you know, whether you might, like, you've had a cookie every single day, and then went on the treadmill and not seeing results, like, you can see like, oh, cookie, and easy on the treadmill, okay, that doesn't equal results. So you can change that. Like we kind of know what we're doing. It's just the actual accountability a lot of times of actually doing it. I'm sure you kind of feel like probably that's a lot of your job is just like keeping people accountable, right? It's just like- It's about, actual- yeah, it's about being, I mean, both, both again, this is both not shaming, not feeling yeah. guilty, not feeling bad because that takes your bandwidth and energy away from the accountability. Like, you know, meet yourself where you're at. I was addicted to those dang cookies. It is Mm -hmm. what it is. And but at the same time, I have to be honest with myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I, I feel like if we can do that, then that's really the place to be to be honest and kind. Mm -hmm. So I know that you're a great resource and you 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 do this virtually so mm-hmm. anywhere anyone listening anywhere across the country or even mm-hmm. we have we have listeners in australia we have listeners oh, in the cool. middle east so where can people find you if they are interested in learning more and working with you yeah well first of all everyone in the middle east and in australia i'm really sorry for just putting like well, you know we're in america like i kept saying that i was like okay i probably should ask adrian what the, <laughs> the but, breakdown but, so the, but the but the guidance is universal so it's the same oh 100 but uh yeah where you can find me um i'm on instagram dylan a conrad that's probably where i'm most active um at dylan like bob dylan d-y-l-a-n-a conrad i'm sure adrian will put in the show notes we will put um, everything in the show notes yeah. yeah and then um the other place i'm more I'm most active is actually linkedin yeah linkedin uh just dylan a conrad same thing yeah that's probably the most the, the the best two places i also have a podcast um adrian was on it yeah you were on i it. forgot about that yeah yes. about a year ago yes um, yes, yes metabolic af um so yeah if you want to listen to that a lot of good resources on there. Talk about a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, I think that's amazing. Well, we will definitely put it all in the show notes. I really appreciate you being here. I encourage all of our listeners, if you found this valuable, as valuable as I did, I really took some some tips away from our conversation. Please share it with somebody that you love and head back over and review the podcast because that just makes it more reachable and listenable. So thank you, Dylan. Thanks for being here. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. And if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this is a lot of information. I just want it all done for me. Let me know and I will do it for you. Yeah, love (laughs) that. Thanks again.